Lord Mother! You silly cat! What the fuck have you done? A lovely intro there from the wonderful Mark Simmons. And yeah, as you can tell, he does get very angry from time to time. But to be honest, you know, we, we always have a good laugh whilst we're out doing the harvest, which is one of the things that I do. A few days of the year, I helped Mark Simmons out, and uh, that pond, in particular, bit of a bit of a morbid harvest that one was due to the fish not doing so great, due to the fry doing so well in that pond. We have three spawnings in that pond, and and yeah, unfortunately, a lot of the fry ended up eating the food that we put in there, and and yeah, the the fish suffered from it. So. What better way to boost morale within the team and fill Mark's truck up with some ducks sort of thing. So, so yeah, like I say, this is a brand new podcast from DNA, which we haven't actually come up with a name as of yet, because I think we're going to let the public decide that one. You guys listening to this, get all your suggestions in of what we could call it. Paul's come up with one idea already from dna he said perhaps the hydro pod or hydro podcast i I suppose which uh yeah has a nice little ring to it relevant obviously to dna baits of course and and yeah I, i quite like that perhaps some of you guys can come up with some suggestions for us of what we could name this podcast it's that new sort of thing so basically concept to this you know i get out with a lot of guys over you know, the course of the year out filming a lot of the times, once it gets dark, we switch the cameras off and sort of you always, you know, chew the fat with whatever angle you're with. So instead of instead of doing that without a microphone, we're going to be, you know, recording some of the guys that I'm lucky enough to get out with all year sort of thing. And the first one being with Simon Crow over whilst we were filming the very last of Winter Series 4 over at Orchid, which hopefully you've all seen now. It's obviously um, Winter Series 4 is now finished and is all uploaded to our YouTube page, which, you know, we try and at least get one film out a month sort of thing. And, uh, yeah, loads of other little tips, videos, etc. on the DNA Digital TV page, I believe it's called. I should know that, really, shouldn't I? But, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I've got that right. I don't think I've got it wrong. And, and yeah, yeah, we basically chewed the fat, spoke a, a bit about Rainbow and uh, the Orion and Mark, um, Mark uh, Paul's, Paul, Jesus, wow, this is a good start, eh, Paul, Mark, oh, blimmin' hell, Simon, I got there in the end, yeah, uh, spoke about some of Simon's fishing abroad and all the adventures si has absolutely mega you know so yeah well worth listening to that interview which is coming up shortly we've not long 
finished the Northern Angling Show. Massive thank you to all of you guys that come over to see us at the Northern Angling Show. Yeah, it was another mega one for us this year. We never thought that we could sell as much as what we did last year again this year and we ended up selling more this year unbelievable so uh yeah absolute mega mega show that one reedy does a massive a brilliant job there as well as jamie as well yeah absolute mega show always look forward to the northern show so yeah that that's the show that we do every single year and yeah thoroughly looking forward to the northern show next year they're always over so quickly them shows especially well, Reedy might not say the same, obviously, because he, he spent, I think he spends all year, obviously, organising that show, or most of the year anyway. And uh, it's all over so quickly, you know, over the space of a couple of days sort of thing. So, yeah, that was a mega show. And once again, thank you to everyone that come over to the stand. And, um, and yeah, great to see you all there sort of thing. So we're now heading into... What I, you know, this time of year, I absolutely love it. I'm getting all my pop-ups ready. I'm getting everything sorted for the spring. I've got all my, you know, the the lake that I'm sort of fishing at the moment, it's, it gets a real horrendous sort of algae bloom on there. So this winter, I was conscious to go over there and suss all my spots out when it went gin clear sort of thing from obviously the low temperatures that we've had this winter i got over there got all my spots sussed out and and yeah I've, I've had pop-ups you know glugging them up I, I use a lot of the switch uh the the booster liquid that you get with the evo pots i use a lot of that on me sort of slk pop-ups and stuff the switch liquid with the slk is a game changer definitely it's one one of the best liquids i've ever used along with obviously one of the best baits like the slk for some reason that switch just goes really well with the slk and i love i love dousing me milk baits with that liquid and turning them over every day and oh, i just love this time of year getting everything ready you know for the for the spring coming because the winter you know it's tough wherever you go and and obviously, with us doing the winter series, you know, it's been a real, real tough shoot this year. And, uh, and yeah, I think that comes across, obviously, on the very last one when I did my sort of synopsis over over what we've got up to over the winter months sort of thing. But, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to the spring. Going to get started, funny enough, this week on the pond that I'm on and I really can't wait. I've had my hook baits turning over every day for the last few weeks and I'm thoroughly looking forward to getting out there and using them. As well as a new camera as well. I love buying new gadgets. I'm sure we're, we're all the same, you know, love buying tackle, uh, you know, fishing bits. And yeah, for me, it's, it's obviously buying new camera equipment. I've just got myself one of these gopro hero sevens one of the black one treated myself sort of thing because my video glasses weren't up to scratch this year i normally buy a brand new set of video glasses from a rainbow trips and and the video glasses that i got this year well they had actually made them waterproof which i thought was ideal because my others i've always broken because i've left them out and they've got dew inside them and you know they just stop working because they've got wet so i thought sweet now they've brought out these video glasses that have got that are waterproof obviously they are crap 
basically. They, they've decided to actually seal where the microphone bit is so you get no audio whatsoever. It's all very muffled and I'm a bit gutted because my rainbow trip from last year, obviously use these glasses on all of them and I didn't bother checking them or the audio or anything. And yeah, I've basically got no audio whatsoever whilst playing a fish, which is a little bit gutting to be honest. Although some of you might think, well, it's a blessing because you won't hear me heavy breathing all the time. But yeah, for them to have such a good microphone in the last video glasses that Sunny Cam did, uh, to go to these new ones and for the audio to be that crap, I'm a bit disappointed by it. And I emailed them and emailed them about it and they just didn't want to get back to me. So yeah, I decided to buy a GoPro, which you might find strange why I haven't done that anyway, you know, used a GoPro. But the great thing is with the video glass, whilst you're playing a fish, you can just quickly chuck them on your face sort of thing. Whereas with a GoPro, you're either having to get a chest strap on or, or try to put the head strap on as well whilst playing a fish ain't ideal. But the quality from a GoPro, especially nowadays with this new one, you know, second to none, 4K footage, you can get it in 60 frames per second, which means you can sort of slow it down a little bit, up to 40%, I believe. For all you editors out there, all you other guys might be thinking, what on earth am I going on about? So I'll stop waffling about the camera equipment. But, but yeah, like I say, you know, buying gadgets or buying fishing gear, I absolutely love it when you get something new, you know, and I can't wait to get out there and start using, using my new camera. And, and yeah, hopefully you're all, you know, getting ready for the spring now. You know, spring is, without a shadow of a doubt, the best time of the year. I know a lot of people like to say that autumn's the best time of the year, etc. But, oh, the, the autumn hates me. It Honestly, it absolutely hates me, the autumn. I never, there's always this big anticipation for the autumn, big feed up before the winter and this, that and the other. And the last couple of years, it's just been crap for me. I don't know if it's been the same for all of you guys out there listening to this, whether you've had rubbish autumns the last few years, but I swear they're getting worse. I, I honestly do. I think when it a leaf matter as well that goes into the ponds, it really does kill the fishing, uh, which, which I have definitely struggled with the last few years because a lot of the lakes, obviously, I've got a lot of trees around them. I think them big barren sort of reservoirs are the better places to be fishing in the autumn that don't see a lot of leaf matter, you know. That's what I like to believe anyway, you know. Like, as anglers, we always like to, you know, come up with an excuse and that's my excuse for my autumns being absolutely terrible the last few years. So with the spring, everything's waking up, you know. The, the trees are starting to bud and I just I love it. I absolutely love it. We've got some trees down our road that are budding at the moment and you know everything's just waking up you can hear even the birds are cheeping differently in the morning you know as mad as that sounds but you know they've almost got I don't know just this, this different sort of tone to the to their cheap as uh, should I say is it a, is that the right way of, yeah whatever but you know you'll see in this podcast I'll come up with a lot of words that aren't even in the diction uh, the English dictionary and I'll yeah well you know, it's just one of them things. When I get rabbit in, I come out with all these um stupid words a lot of the times, which will happen in this podcast, I'm sure, quite a bit sort of thing. So, so I'm going to stop waffling now and we're going to jump straight into the very first interview on this very first podcast, obviously, with the main man, Simon Crow. Oh, mother! You silly kid! What the fuck have you done?! Honestly, Mother, it's the day's your last 
Gleich getan. Simon Crow, welcome to the brand new podcast that we're doing for DNA, which hasn't even got a name yet. So I, I think the first thing to kick this off with is the first time I ever met you. At Rainbow. At the mighty <laughs> Rainbow, which is no, without a shadow of doubt. What a memory as well, mate. Well, I, I think we'd have to relive that moment without right. a shadow of that. £86.4? Eight. Yeah. Eight. £86. hours of yeah. four ounces yeah. out. Mate, what a moment. We're going to have to talk about that moment. <laughs> yeah, I was like you, mate. On an absolute high going to Rainbow, as indeed I am every single time I go there. I don't think there's a lake I've ever fished in my life that I get as excited to be at as that place. And I don't care what anybody says about Rainbow, how they slag it off or knock it because it's commercialised. Until you go there and you have been bitten by that rainbow bug, you cannot comment on it. It is amazing. It's simply the greatest carp lake. Well, let's go right to the beginning, because it's difficult to get a ticket on there, <laughs> yeah, a bugging yeah. on there, and it's probably the most often oh, question. Oh, yeah, yeah, same. Crowy, can you get me on rainbow? Come on, mate, I can't actually get myself on there at the moment. And it is so hard to get tickets on there and places on there. And when you get a place, it makes you want to just, carp, I've got a rainbow. It's, mm. it's the rainbow buzz. And I've, and I've said stuff about this before, mate. The rainbow bug, when it bites you, it does bite you. Because, it, as you know, mate, it's not easy to get a booking on no. there. You need to know somebody. And indeed, I, I myself have never had a booking on rainbow. It's always been through somebody else. Yeah. Somebody who's got those 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 bookings on a regular basis. And to be fair to Pascal, how he runs the lake is that when he started running the lake, the people that got the bookings first 10, 15, 20 years ago, if they still want to fish there, they're the people he deals with because he gets so many requests to fish there. It makes his life simple. I'll deal with the people that I know, and they're how we get out of that. Yeah, which is a mate, like all, all respect. You yeah. you are Simon Crow, and you would like to think from an outsider looking in, a guy like Simon Crow could get, always get on Rainbow. I know Pascal, I know him really well, but mm. he likes to have a simple life. Mm. And to be fair, when I go there, he's great with me and things like that. And I'm sure if I asked him. Can I have a booking? He'd give me one, you know, because if he knows you, yeah, you, you can get one. But to make his life easier, I don't put him in that position. I get my bookings through people that he's already got bookings with, and that's a nice way to be. I don't want to ever go to Rainbow every single week. I just like to go there every now and again, and I still get a massive buzz out of it. I haven't fished it this year, uh, or, or 2018, which was last year. The last time I went there was 2017, yeah. and indeed that trip when I went there, I went there with Ollie Davis, who works for Nash, and. On the way down, I said to Ollie, are you looking forward to it? Well, I'm not too sure, Crowe. It's just one of them places that I just want to tick off the list. Yeah. Because he'd read all the posts, all the yeah, negativity, yeah, yeah. fishing round poles, oh, it's not real fishing, it's, you shouldn't do it, it's catching, <laughs> fish, fishing for pigs and all this sort of stuff, all the negativity that you get. And then when Ollie went there, at the end of the trip, he got the bug. And he indeed he has, he's gone in. Which I think everyone Everybody gets. Everybody does, mate. Yeah. <clears throat> Without a shadow of a doubt. So, your first experiences at Rainbow? Um, I went no, on a Paul Hunt trip. Do you remember when Paul Hunt used yes, to go on the trip? Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. I went on a Paul Hunt trip and... When was that? What, what, that what would were we talking here? That about 2002 or three, something like that. Right, 15, many years. 16, yeah, 17 years yeah. ago. And I went there first time and at the time, I remember the lake had just started doing 70 pounders. Wow. And, you know, you, God, that's the swim where the 70 pounder had been caught from. But I went What there, was the swim back then, just out of well, curiosity? It, it was pe peg seven. 
was where that that seven eight nine wow where he done a seventy pounder you know it's nineteen seven eight nine were they still the same because seven eight nine is one swim was that still Still one swim back then yeah Yeah. but peg nineteen had done (laughs) the bigger because it was two world record the world record fish it wasn't the world record at the time but that was eventually the fish that went on to be the world record right but. Peg Seven had just done a new seventy pounder, and I remember going, oh, "I want to fish that swim because he'd just done a, a, a massive fish." Yeah, yeah. And I ended up fishing two swims on that trip. I fished Peg One and Two, which turned out to be a really, really great swim. And I went really, seven, seven, what, what back, 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 back in, then? Yeah, because really na- nowadays one and two isn't a swim you would take as your first choice, is it? Um, really? At um, a certain time of the year, I think it would. Yeah, you know, when they're would spawning, because they're spawning those bays in Peg One, don't they? So one and t- let's talk about one and two quickly. Yeah. So uh, pegs one and two, two you're fishing out in open water, yeah. not not all that great. Peg one very leery, like in my eye. I've yeah. never fished peg one, but you're talking what two hundred yards out, hang a right yeah. into some savageness, uh, <laughs> literally <laughs> savage. That is what we've just been talking about. Man. Why do you want to go to rainbow? Because of the nature of fishing. <laughs> yeah. and it, it, I don't care what anybody says. Fishing around poles, fishing over islands, it's what you have to do on that lake. Yeah, yeah. And somebody can turn up. I know somebody that slapped around in the margins and caught a seventy. Yeah, okay. There's always <laughs> one bloke that does that. But if he fished like that every single trip, it ain't gonna happen. No. As you know, you've got to put yourself into that swim and see what's in front of you. And when those fish are in the back of the snags, you have to do what you have to do to fish there. Yeah, and yeah. that excitement of of getting that bite first and foremost on rainbow, you see your rod hoik over because they're not, as you know, he's <laughs> literally savage. <laughs> and you see that bottle go, the excitement is is phenomenal because you've got to get out of the ground, the islands, round at the bars, over the top of it, and then you're, you're playing that uh, fish in deep water. I think it's that moment when you place that first step into one of them plastic boats on there yeah. the adrenaline is unimaginable yeah isn't yeah. it yeah. it's it's the forest environment it's quiet it's you see these fish lumping out and they're not just 10 pounders and 15 pounds you see no. 60s and 70s <laughs> launching themselves out i remember once being in peg 12 and my next door swim was rob Ailes and snowy neil snowy and i remember looking up the lake and seeing this absolutely ginormous fish come clean out, and it must have been 70 pounds. Oh, wow. And seeing things like that is just, you're not going to see it on you know, your local dating place. No. And, and then you see where they're, they're showing, they're over bars that, that are the most ferocious bars. You've got like vertical cliffs in some, some areas that you think, <laughs> how do you get fish out of there? And as you well know, mate, it is possible if you fish in the right way. And that bottle method is such a great way of fishing because... The bottle method, let me just explain it to the, to, the, to the guys that are listening, is you're basically fishing directly off the lead. You're fishing vertically up yeah. to a bottle, which then keeps your line off the, off the snags and keeps you out of harm's way. And when your rod goes, you don't strike into it like you normally would do. Because no. yeah, if you yeah. do, the fish then bolts away from the pressure it goes into the snags. But with the bottle, when the pressure's directly above it, the fish just thinks somebody's above it and it just starts swirling around the yeah, yeah, you leave them alone. You leave yeah, them alone, yeah. get out to, let, let them do what they need to do, get out to where the bottle is and then hit into it. And, and all hell breaks loose. I don't care what people say about the methods, but you've only got to see the fish on the bank and see how good quality they are. They're in phenomenal condition. So your rainbow life experience, so you've done your, your uh, Paul Hunt trip, uh, yeah. what, what what would have been your next one? I'm sure oh. you can remember them all because it's rainbow. I've, only, I've actually only been there about eleven times. Right, eleven life experiences. Yeah, yeah. Though, eh? but, but every trip has been great. It has. Every, I've had one trip that was quite hard in 
it was in the winter time when I only, I shouldn't say that I only caught a 40 pounder. You have to put this into context. You go a rainbow really to try and get those whackers, those 70s yeah. and 80s. Oh, of course. And yeah. a 40 pounder, it's a beautiful fish. I love it. You know, and I've got some gorgeous <coughs> pictures of that fish. But it wasn't a great trip by rainbow standards. No, you, you know. go. Uh, this is what I say to people like uh, Paul that I go to rainbow. He yeah. will not bring a fish that's under sixty pound back to the bank. Yeah, but Paul, exactly. I And I'm like Paul for crying out loud, just bring back a fifty. No, yeah. I, I have to put it back. Yeah. You know, and like, I, I caught a 60, 64 pound one the island not last year, the year before. And I caught it early hours of the board and he could hear it slapping round in the mat. I put it up on the scales and it went 64 pound. And he went, how big? Oh, 64 pound, you know, like Your off the edge, you know, right, off the yeah. He went, all oh, right, all right, I'll come out and have a look. He went, as soon as I unveiled this fish to him, he went, I definitely put one back that was bigger than that last <laughs> night. I went, Paul, really? And he went, oh, I thought it was under 60. Yeah, yeah. And it's like... He's one you, of the most successful anglers on the lake, and he caught He is unbelievable. Yeah. Like one morning he caught the Silver Common at 72. He caught yeah. Eric's Common at 76. He caught uh, the Perfect Common at 73. And yeah. I'm like, yeah. in one morning, three 70-pounders in one... And it's like a daily job to pull, you know. Yeah. He's like, And I'm like, what makes you keep coming back? And he's like, well, it's not only the experience, but... Every week, Rainbow does a new giant. And he's been going, I think it's 22 years now, and yeah. yet he's still doing six-odd trips a year, two-week trips a year, yeah. and that in itself just for it's someone... That it's like the lake, mate, isn't it? It's that type of lake that just captivates you when you've been there and experienced it and seen what it's like. I had a message this week from um, an old... Long, long time carp angler Dave Pendergrass who, who fishes down in, in the Ringwood area right. and he's caught some beautiful carp from England but he's never been to Rainbow and on Facebook this week he's been God I've been bitten by the bug you know, he's been to Rainbow <laughs> he's had a nice 40 pounder and it's, it's, he's p sending pictures to me of him playing fish in the boat <laughs> and, and it's lovely to see because until you've been there you, you can't comment on it no you, you can't no it. no and even that it just being out in the boat at yeah. rainbow is a mega buzz oh, in mate. itself quite like the one that i had when yeah. i very first met you which we have to talk about so <laughs> we, 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 like, it like, was no. a very memorable capture of oh, that way it was mate. not just because the size of the fish but the, how it all and it all developed unbelievable yeah. like uh, uh, just, your friend that was there at the time as well, yeah. and uh, like it, uh, just the whole moment was yeah. unbelievable. And you have to talk about from the bite <laughs> onwards. I was sitting there in the bivvy, Big Fish Thursday, I think it was typically, and I booked that swim specifically because I, want, I knew that Eric's common got caught from it regularly, yeah. which is peg five. Yeah, and again, big fish tactics. You're trying to target a particular fish, the best thing you can do is try and find out its past record. It got caught from various swims around the lake, but the majority of its captures was in peg yeah, five, yeah. certainly that time of the year. And I knew it was down the left-hand channel, so... Which I, Paul was fishing at yeah, the time, because yeah. we were in peg six That's at the right. time, weren't yeah. we? Yeah. So you couldn't have been more than rod lengths away from yeah. one another. Pretty close, mate. Yeah, pretty <laughs> close. I think I was probably in his water when I landed. <laughs> so, you know, it was Big Fish Thursday, about eight o'clock in the morning, and I was sitting in the bivvy, getting ready to have my breakfast and left on rod has just peeled off you know a typical rainbow <coughs> this particular area that I was fishing wasn't tight to snag so I wasn't locked up I wasn't no, fishing yeah, for a couple yeah, of bleeps yeah. and waiting for the rod to hoop round it was an area that you could 
fish with the the clutch quite slack slack and as you do drop everything grab all of the rod as i've tried to grab all of the rod i'm then trying to launch the boat at the same time and as i'm trying to launch the boat the water level in that swim was quite high up mm. and we were ending up bivvied up almost behind the swim yeah, yeah and that particular area of the swim there's a bit of a drop off and this was underwater and as i'm trying to push the boat out I've then gone off the end of it. <laughs> and as I've gone off the end of it, I'm then up to me wasting water and trying to keep control. Whilst trying to get trying in the boat, whilst holding yeah. on to an 80 pounder. Yeah, yeah. So it's pulling away. And as it's pulling away, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm soaking wet now. So I'm trying to get into the boat. And as I'm trying to get in the boat, and I don't know how this happened, I can't explain it, but I've somehow managed to reel the line off the next door rod onto the spool of the reel that he's letting out line with his powerful fish pulling away. I don't know how I did it, it just happened. I wasn't looking, I think I must have pushed the rod into the into the line of the next door rod, reeled and not looked what I was doing, but I reeled it on and oh my god, what's going on here? And just massive birds tangled uh, and, uh, occurred and this fish has just kept on going and kept on going. And as I've looked around the corner, I could see my bottle was just stuck in this snag. So I've eventually got to where this, this snag was. How have you got the line off of the other rod? By, this is what I want to know. By sitting there untangling it. Oh, took no. the bail arm off, run, undid it, and it was... Wow. You know, Do you have to take the spool off the reel? No, or? I didn't have to take the spool off the reel. Right. I just un undid the bail arm and just loosened it and eventually you know, got got away with it. And wow. the, 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 the bottle's in the, in the snag on the far side. I've then slowly got towards this snag, probably taking me about four or five minutes, thinking that the fish is lost because you know of what's happened and yeah, how long yeah. it's taking me to and it's rainbow yeah. and it's rainbow and things like that and it was really misty as well this day it was really mm. really misty morning really early in the day and i've got over towards where the snag is eventually and the bottle's just not doing anything it's just solid so i'm thinking the fish is snagged got above it put the rod down first of all into the boat got above it and started pulling the line directly from above yeah and as i'm pulling the line directly from above i could just feel bonk Donk, donk, what's, what, what's that? No idea what it was. Donk, donk, and it was just solid. I think, oh, what's that? It felt really weird. And after doing it for about two or three minutes and nothing happening, eventually, it's just the boat, um, the, the line has just been yanked out of my hand. The bottle has then gone straight down, vibrated underneath the boat, like as it's gone in the boat, and it's then shot straight towards the far margin. Wow. It's on, it's still on, the fish is still on. I've no idea what it was or anything like that. And I've grabbed hold of the rod, and as I've grabbed hold of the rod, let me explain, I was using braided line yeah. with a 50-pound mono leader. And yeah. Standard procedure. Standard, standard procedure on rainbow. Yeah. When you've taken the slack off a 50-pound mono leader, it tangles around the tip, <laughs> yeah. and it's just twisty. So I've picked the rod up, uh, the line's all twisted around the tip, and the boat started to be pulled. I can't give the fish any line whatsoever until I've untangled the tip. And I'm about to put the rod down, the bottle's going across, I'm being pulled with it, but eventually untangled it, and the fish has just kept on pulling towards the far side. So I've gone from one side of the channel <laughs> across to the other side. Yeah. And as I've gone across to the other side, the fish has just pulled me all the way over into some more snags. <laughs> and when I've eventually got over to that side, the bottle's again solid, got above it, pulled it a few times, it then started going again, out towards the middle of the channel. And then I can play the fish in open water and I felt like I got some control of it eventually. And this is probably 15 minutes in from the point of having 
to take <laughs> to actually get some control on the fish. And I've got to be honest with you, I had no idea which fish it was at all. I could feel it was a decent fish. So I'm thinking, I wonder what it is, you know, 50 or 60 decent fish. Because you always go to Rainbow with a little bit of a target in your mind. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to get a 50 or a, or a, or a 60. Or obviously yeah, you yeah. want one of the big ones, but yeah, yeah, yeah. you just don't think it's going to happen to you. I've just kept pressure on this fish and I've seen it slowly coming up in the water. And Rainbow, let me explain, when you're over sort of 10 foot of water, the water's really dark. You yeah, can't yeah. see the fish from top to bottom. You can only see the fish when they get into the first couple of like, couple of feet down from where the, the surface layer is. So I've started to get control of this fish, and I can feel it coming up, and eventually I've caught sight of a, a decent fish below the um, just below the boat. And by now, the mist has disappeared. The sun's yeah. beating down, so I could see about two foot down, and I, there was like a reddish tint to the water on that day. Yeah. I don't know why, it's just the way that the sun was shining. And I remember thinking when I first saw it, oh, I wonder if it's that red fish, because the fish looked like yeah, it was yeah, red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I, if I'd have lost it, I'd have thought it was a mirror. And then all of a sudden, as I kept on the pressure, the rod was at full test curve, and I did give it some stick, I'll have to say that, because I just didn't want it to get into the snags anymore. And I was totally confident in my gear. Eventually, the fish has just hit the surface, and it's gone on its side. And as it's gone on its side, Obviously, I realised it was a common. I've and heard I, it at this then point. I've, yeah, then I've seen <laughs> part of its tail was broken, which is one of the, the most famous traits on um, on Eric's common. Well, it's like a it's like a goldfish. Yeah, tail. massive it's tail. The, the weirdest yeah, tail ever. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I could see it. It was broken. Oh, shit, that's that's Eric's common. You know, and it's not <laughs> sixty or seventy. It looks about ninety. You know, it's last caught about ninety three pounds. So then I've I've, I've netted it. And obviously, how did the netting go? Well, you're using your engine, aren't you, a lot of the time? And I, and I, and I landed it from the engine end of the boat as well, right. because you can go forwards and backwards easily. And you stood right next to the edge of the boat if you're yeah, back yeah, of it, yeah, rather yeah. than having. So I could play the the engine forwards or backwards, you know, whichever way that I wanted to um, to, to go quite easily. And when you get a, a big fish on the surface your automatic response is to try and scoop it up. But yeah. when you're in a boat, if you just go to scoop a fish with um, the landing net, it pushes the boat further away. Of course it does. So yeah, you've yeah. got to sort of play the fish, the landing net in one hand, a bit of a juggling act. Mm. But I eventually took the boat straight into reverse on full power and just scooped the fish up. And, it, wow. and it, its tail was sticking out one side of the landing net. And at the time, I was using a, an old solar um, Bowlock landing net, which is quite big, and I yeah, think it's yeah. actually designed by Lockie on Rainbow. Yeah, for Rainbow, yeah. So yeah. it's a huge net, but his tail was still sticking out of the air. <laughs> and I was like, God, I've got Eric's con, I'm sure it's Eric's con. <laughs> but more importantly, what was weird about it was, and, and uh, as I look back at fate and things like that, you think, yeah, I was meant to catch that fish, and I was, because of the comedy of errors that happened with me falling in and then yeah. winding that line on the snag, and, and that donking as I got across to the snag. And I first initially saw the fish. The line, I was yeah. donk, donk, donk. What was that donking? The twelve ounce lead was still on the rig, mate. Right. It had not ejected the lead because the hook link had tangled around the lead clip and um, t become so tight alongside the the tail rubber that it forced it still on. So I was playing not only Eric's common, which is the biggest fish in the lake at the time, and a twelve, <laughs> 12 ounce, ounce lead. Yeah. You know, which is how, how did that happen? It just I meant to catch it, mate. Mega. Most when your name's on your it. Your name's on it, your name's on it. And you could have had the same scenario 20 times over and... You'd have lost, you'd it. lost it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, everything happened right for a reason. I was meant to catch it at that particular time. And, you know, it was what a great memory to have. Yeah. Now, my PB carp has in size-wise, but 
Um, you know, it's 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 not all about size, but it was a very memorable capture for sure. For yeah, me. definitely. The minute I walked in the swim, and I think I would like to believe that I captured it quite well yeah, via really video. Yeah, it was fantastic. Because yeah, yeah. like the buzz was just yeah. in ah. Oh, I, 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 I That's listen. the rainbow buzz, mate. Yeah. It was the rainbow, the rainbow buzz, buzz definitely. The, the one thing I'd say as well about when people compare English fishing to continental fishing. When you're fishing in England, you tend to get a lot of jealousy on lakes, yes. on a lot of waters. Whereas yes. if you go rainbow, yeah, yeah. everyone's like a family. Definitely. And everybody wants everybody else to catch you. And you say, oh, you're well done, mate. You know, <laughs> And everybody's like that. And you were like that towards me, mate. And that's what I really liked about it is that the fact you, you were so happy to see somebody else's fish. And I think I've always been this kind of angler that I love seeing other people fish. I've caught a catch, catch fish, you should say. Of course, I want to catch fish myself. Yeah. But the next best thing to catching is seeing somebody else with a good one. Oh, and if man. you see a whacker and you see how happy those people are when they catch these fish, that's a buzz. I, I get a buzz out of Definitely. seeing somebody get oh, emotional. It's the whole experience. You catch ten scale on that video. I've told you this before. <laughs> seeing you in tears is it's actually really emotional to everybody yeah, else. Yeah. You'll get these other blokes, oh, I want to puff crying and all that. But that's, you know, carp fishing ignore, should ignore things like that. Definitely. It, it, it's so good seeing somebody else catch fish. I, I watched something the weekend, I know this sounds a bit gay, but I, I watched The Voice, and, you know, she's on ITV yeah, program, yeah. and this girl was so emotional that she got selected. And I actually like people seeing things like that. Emotion, seeing, yeah, 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 yeah. Seeing them yeah. get really... The passion really, behind yeah, the it. passion all. behind it. Seeing yeah. somebody being happy. Yeah. What's wrong with seeing somebody happy? You know, and, and I, I think the more people in carp fishing that see other people being happy, the better for the sport, rather than seeing all these jealous comments, which you just laugh off nowadays. Yeah, because yeah. to me, I love seeing lads catch fish with that I'm fishing with because it's great. And that's carp fishing, and that's rainbow. Because yeah. you see you see the highs, you see the lows, everybody's... There's a lot of emotions yeah, that flow about at Rainbow, more than anywhere else. Yeah. I, I've found, even in all of my English fishing, which I think you could appreciate, you've done loads of English yeah. fishing, as I'm sure, but there's something about Rainbow that it, whether you lose one or whether you catch one, the yeah. emotion is... Oh, mate, it's, I've lost the whackers at Rainbow. I lost a 70-plus common once out of peg. I was on the island with Steve with Briggsley. Right. And I was wounded all week. But, <laughs> you know, it's, that is part of it. You've got, yeah, you've got yeah. to deal with it. You've got to um, appreciate the highs and the lows. And you don't lose loads of fish on rainbow if you know what you're doing. No, no, you know, no, no. Yeah, definitely. Some people say, oh, I've heard it's 50% ratio of catching and, and, and losing. No, if no. You, if you know what you're doing, you know, tactics-wise on there, you can get them out of the areas. And, you know, it's a great lake. It's a, and I'll always say to anybody... Don't judge somewhere until you've been there because Rainbow, if you're knocking it one minute, if you're there and you're fishing it, you will love it. It's Without a shadow of a doubt, definitely. Yeah. What What would you say is your next best lake that you've been to abroad? Perhaps families, a general angler that would love to go somewhere to experience um, something that is open access to everyone. I probably would go somewhere like Fisherville because that is a good holiday venue. It's got loads of fish in the lake. It's an easily accessible lake. It's about half an hour's journey from St. Marlow um, port, uh, Ferry Port. It's got hotel on the banks. It's got nice, clean facilities. It's got a bar. Right. It's got a restaurant just down the road. 
It's got everything that you need in the local Why areas. do we go to Rainbows? Yeah. That's Megan. Yeah, because we're, we're ramblers. You know, you've, you've asked me a question about families. If you yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Which I think a lot of listeners yeah. would like to hear yeah, if they wanted to go abroad. There's loads of places around there that you go. You can go touring around there and seeing loads of sites. So that's a great place to go. Fish and you can catch some fish from there as well. There's loads of, loads of decent sized fish. 20 pounders, 30 pounders. I think they got to about 60 pound nowadays. So there's loads in there. But if you want to go to the opposite end of the scale, which is the Angler's Lake, then I'd even say the Orient. I wouldn't go there if you was not physically fit. It is a supply reservoir in France. It's a 6,000 acre supply reservoir. And there's two best times to go to somewhere like the Orient. And it's in spring and in the autumn. And the best time on the Orient is the autumn time because being a supply reservoir, it's large at certain times of the year and then Autumn time, it starts to go down, which right. makes location of fish a hell of a lot easier. Because <laughs> it's a lot smaller. Yeah, it becomes a lot smaller. <laughs> they all congregate towards the dam end, and the fish migrate from one end of the lake to the other because they can feel that the water level's going down. In the summer months, they're all spread out, water level's up, there's loads of weed, and the fish end up going into all these little areas that are closed to angling. You can't go and fish there, because it's, an, it's an air, a lake that's got a lot of closed areas you can only fish in certain areas of, of, of um, Gerardo Bay. You can only fish in certain areas right. of, of Mesnil and places like that. So, not Mesnil, forgot the name of it anyway. But there's loads of different areas on that lake that you can't go to. So Why why and, can't you go to these areas? Because it's a French reservoir. And French reservoirs have lots of areas that you can't get to for, for various reasons, such as tourism, because these big waters are used by a lot of campers. Right, a lot of windsurfers. The the thing is, when the water level goes down on a lake like that, because it's a clay uh, area, right, just, the areas of where you can fish is just like a quagmire. It becomes so difficult to survive in because you're up to your knees in mud all the time. You've yeah. got a bivy that's caked in mud, and you traipse into where your rods are. Which yesterday they might have been ten yards away from the bivy, but the water starts to go down so quickly at certain times of the year that by the end of the week you, you're 100 metres away from wow, where the water is. Yeah, so you've, you know, you're changing your gear all the time, moving your rods closer to the water, your boat's stuck up you know, in, in, in a load of weed that you can't get out. and It's just hard work, really, really hard work. And also, because the, the, the way that the lake's set as well, you've got your car parking areas only in certain spots around the lake that you'll then load your boat up and then have to have a boat ride for about three or four hours to get to where you need to fish. So really? it's all it's all hard work. And when the wind blows on a six thousand acre lake, what was the session fish, where you had ten fish? Yeah, in Jim. One? Yeah, yeah. We went. <laughs> Talk to me about that. Absolutely bizarre because Jim and Jim Lightfoot, my mate from Manchester, had rang me. And a said, lovely man, lovely mate, guy, great angler as well. Yeah, yeah, he, he rang yeah. me up and said, "Crowy, do you fancy going to the Orient for a week?" And I was like, "For a week, you know." It's going to take us a day to get there for a start <laughs> off. So by the time we get there, it's then down to four or five days fishing because whenever you go to the Orient, you have to find the fish, obviously. Yeah. And it takes a lot of effort to find the fish. Yeah, because of course. You can't just rock into a swim and there they are jumping out. And generally, if you go at that time of the year, which is the autumn time, the lake's stitched up by a lot of guys who are fishing it for six, seven, eight, nine, ten weeks at a time. Yeah, They're just yeah. sitting there waiting for those fish to go past them. And... I don't know why I said yes, I'll go, Jim. So, <laughs> but we did. But by the time we got there, I met him in the dark. 
in a, in a lay-by right outside the village of where the Orient is. I can't remember the name of the village. Sorry about that. My memory is just terrible as I'm getting older. I've got to put this into context. That particular week as well, I was training to run New York Marathon. So every day I was running six to ten miles whilst I was on the Orient. Wow. And we decided to go there and just fish the day zone, which is the area near the dam, yeah. where you're allowed to fish out the boats. And because the year before, I'd done an, a 10-day trip with Jim and I sat there for eight days and nothing had happened. And on the, the ninth day, I said to Jim, mate, we've got to go and just fish the day zone, see if we can find some fish. So I went up there and caught a couple of fish, which then prompted us to go wow, for such a yeah. short time and this time, if we can get to that day zone and, and just fish out the boats, we'll be on the fish. Okay, so we knew it was going to be an hard week on this second trip. We were going there for seven days, of which it'd only be like four days of fishing because a day either side for travelling, then a day to try and find the fish. Yeah. And that first day, I'd, I'd run, I think I ran 10 miles in the morning, launched the boats, got everything. Ran 10 miles yeah, in the morning. <laughs> went out on the lake to try and find the fish. And what we did was we went to various areas towards the dam end and baited what appeared to be clear areas that the carp had cleaned. You, you can go out in the boat and look in the shallow areas and see little clay craters and stuff like that. So you wow. knew the carp were not, not too far away. Didn't see any fish, baited them. and then. So when, when you're going out in the boat, what are you looking for exactly? So the, You're looking for depth, you're looking for features, different contours on the on the echo sound. You're not looking for fish on the echo right. sound. People turn around to you and so say... So you're watching the echo yeah, rather than yeah. like an aquascope as such yeah. over the side of the boat. Yeah, you're watching the echo. Just looking so. at the echo, looking for different depths, different changes in depth. And more importantly, at that time of the year, when the water level starts to go down, there's loads of weed that's in really shallow water. Yeah. And when you see those weedy areas, you can see amongst them loads of big clear areas that the carp have created. Wow. And they're big craters on the bottom. And if you can find those spots, and then what we did was just bait them. And what, any any sort any of clear, spots, or did yeah, they have to look a certain way? They have to look like craters. Just craters. Just craters yeah. that you look at, as you see on the moon, you see the craters. If you follow Simon Scott on Twitter or Instagram, yeah. he often puts these car poles yeah, yeah, yeah. pictures Mega. up, and you can see these craters that Simon gets in his stock ponds, and that's what they create on the bottom. And we just found and a few. And that's all you're looking for, on yeah. the echo, These little clearings, yeah, and... little clearings, little deeper areas, little spots that are surrounded, um, you know, by a different depth change. Just baited them, and then where you could see where the baits were on the bottom, because it's quite clearly oriented. Uh, we then went back the next day. And looked at the areas to see where the bait had gone, right? And decided to fish. What sort of depth are we talking about here? From memory, how far I, I down? I think it was about six, seven, eight foot we were fishing. Right, okay. Areas that were six or seven, eight foot, which is in quite close to the margins. Yeah. And we were in, despite all the rumours about us fishing, yeah, you know, they were fishing in wrong areas and stuff. Like that. We weren't. We were fishing legally, completely legally. Yeah. And in an area where you could access these these craters. And found some some areas where the bait had gone. Wow! Jeez, we need to get that. Must to, have been a yeah, buzz in itself. Was, the bait's all gone here, Jim. Okay, so we'll put some rods out there. And we'd been in the spot in the swim probably about twenty minutes, and the first rod went. No. And you latched into a fish on the Orient. Six thousand yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're playing a fish. You don't know what it's going to be. Fantastic enjoyment, mate. Great fishing. And by the end of the trip, we'd done three and a half days of fishing. And I was running six to ten miles in the morning as well, and going out on the Orient with one rod each, 
no. from a boat, and we ended up with ten fish between us. One rod each. each. Yeah, one rod each. Yeah. Wow. Because we could have this particular spot where the fish were. If you'd have put any more rods on it, you'd have ended up Kill, ruining it. You'd have killed it, the yeah, spot. Yeah, yeah. They were line shy as all carp are, and not only that, when you're fishing out of boats, yeah, you've got that problem with engines going through lines. And we so were you playing them just yeah, off of the just boat, off the like boat, just yeah, just yeah. anchoring up yeah. sort of thing, and just playing them off yeah, the boat, one rod each. Yeah, fishing an area that was about sixty yards away. How, how do you put the rod back out? Or is it just, just wait until the, the next bite, yeah, or get the next bite, put the rod out, and then go back to the other boat. We had two boats out there. Ah, right. No, we had three boats. Jim had a boat. I had three a boat. boats. <laughs> yeah, I had a boat. Jim had a boat, and then we had a, a sort of station boat, right, which we was using as the the, 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 the base camp. We were both sitting in there with our rods. And then if you got a take, you went off in your boat yeah, yeah. And, and played the fish. And But as I say, by the end of the week, we'd had 10 fish, five fish each. Both had 50s, which was oh, well, what we got in the Orient for. Mega. And it was, it, was, it was just a great trip, great memory. And uh, the whole week was really, really hard work. And I was getting probably three or four hours, hours sleep a night. Going Running to, 10, going, yeah, 10 miles yeah, in the morning. We had to get up in the morning before we were allowed on the lake because the day zone, they, where we were fishing was what's called the day zone. You can't yeah. go out there um, after hours and you can't be in, in the water technically in that area during the hours of darkness. And we basically were fishing there and going out at first light. So I was getting up a couple of hours before first light, going yeah. for me and run. Yeah. And then hard work doing the backwards and forwards, wow. the rowing. Where this particular spot was as well where we were fishing was about at least three quarters of a mile away from where we were set up as a base camp. You know, right. So we've got our babies set up in an area behind uh, what's called, um, oh, what's it called? Bivy. Bivy Island. Uh, no. bit, uh, I know the name of it. Yeah. Um, Bivy City. Bivy City. Yeah, we yeah. were set up there. So we were set up behind some, some Belgian guys who were allowed us to do it they said yeah no problem guys you're not interfering where we're, where we're going to fish so it was a lot of hard work you're mm. traipsing your batteries your boat mm. from the car to the water which was a good trek of about a quarter of a mile in mud so you have to see it and you have to experience it to see how hard work it was imagine. I would and, love to but the buzz of trying to catch a fish out of the Orient was what motivated us yeah, it's like we were off, off camera off um whatever you call it in the moment, it's not a camera because it's not filming us, but we were talking earlier on about what fishing motivates you. Yes. And yeah, I think yeah. the longer you've been carp fishing, the more you need, I won't go to a lake nowadays to, just to go and get a bite, you know, even for features, I can't be asked anymore. I need to go to a lake. That excites you. Excites you. Yeah, and yeah. that excites me. And if you yeah, get that course, motivation yeah. from it. Well, 30, year, 30 yeah. 40 years of angling, I suppose that yeah. will do that to you, will, yeah. will it not? Yeah, I caught my first carp in 1980, so I've, it's what we're now, 19, uh, 2019. I love carping, mate, always have done, and we're fishing on a day ticket lake now, Orchid Lake, great water, mm. loads of good fishing here, and, you know, I've, I've fished this It's not the Orient, though, is it? It's not the Orient, It's not no. Rainbow, no, it's, no. Uh, and, and is that what, is that what it is for you now, do you think, in your, in your angling, is... Stuff that excites me, yeah. I love yeah. adventure, I do. I've, I've, yeah. I've sort of gone through different periods in my fishing. I've, I used to like the carp matches, fish those, you know, a few oh, years really? ago. Oh, really? Wow. Enjoyed those. Then I, but I don't do any match fishing anymore because it's not what I want to do. No, I, I'd, I'd, I'd I never, I'd never associate myself yeah. with match angling. Yeah. I might go back never... to it one day, but yeah, moment, yeah. I don't want to do it. I, want to, I actually want to fish on places that excite me, which is going out trying to catch fish from difficult waters and places where 
you can get that space. And yeah, if you yeah. can get space around you and just enjoy being out there, it's, it makes, if you're blank and you're enjoying it, it's, it's not that bad. Yeah, definitely. You know? yeah. It's not all about catching. I love catching carp, don't get me wrong. Yeah. And, I, and I'd rather catch than not catch because that's why I'm there at the end of the day. But if I can enjoy it where I am and the solitude of being on some of the bigger waters, the foreign waters as well, yeah. I really enjoy it because England now, I don't like travelling England because you get stuck in traffic jams and stuff like that. So, you know, you go overseas, you can go for a session, you can go for a week, two weeks. You know, now I've got this new job with Avid. It allows me to do that kind of adventure fishing that I used to do 20, 30 years ago. No, not 30 years ago, 20 years ago. Because yeah. I did used to do a lot of French and overseas fishing, uh, probably about the turn of the millennium. And so at that time, I did it a little bit too much based on what my family situation was like. So I, I just got married, just had kids, and ended up going through divorce, through fishing, because I was just doing too much. But I really <laughs> used to love going overseas, fishing wild places. And I've not done that over um, a long period of time because I'm watching kids grow up. And they got to a certain age when they're 18 and, and 20 now, and mm. they just do their own thing, which has allowed me to then go back into the fishing that I like doing. And it coincidentally, it's happened at the same time as being taken on board by Avid and becoming a bit more of a, can we call it, full-time fisherman. So okay. this year, I've got loads of plans. I've got a ticket in Germany that I've just joined. I've got plans to go to America in a couple of weeks' time. I've just got back from Morocco. I love that kind of fishing. Yeah, That's mega. what buzzes me, mate. So, yeah, mega. No, yeah. absolutely. Long may mega. it continue as well. Yeah, well, long may I hope it continues for you. So I, I absolutely yeah. love all your adventures that you put, not only on social media, YouTube and everything. And Cheers, dude. Mate, thank you for being on the podcast. A real pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for having me. And, uh, yeah, have a good season, mate. Cheers, buddy. So hopefully you've all enjoyed that interview there with Simon Crow. I'm sure you have uh, just listening to his stories, not only on Rainbow, but the Orient as well. Absolutely mega. I'd love to experience the Orient myself, to be honest. But all the time I've got, you know, Rainbow opportunities, you know, throughout the year to go there, then, you know, that's that's where I, I need to be going every year personally. But never say never. The Orient is, is mega, mega special. And if any of you guys ever get the opportunity to obviously go there, then, um, then yeah, you've got to be taking them opportunities, definitely. It sounds very demanding, though, but the rewards are definitely there to be had. Mega, mega venue. So hopefully you've all enjoyed our very first podcast all of your feedback is more than welcome on you can get hold of us on any of our social media outlets and yeah that's it for the first one and we will speak to you all soon on the next one next month you silly cat what the fuck have you done